Anonymous. This week's chapter is, um, we are on a vision for you. And our speaker tonight is Annabelle Z. Uh, thank you. Take it away, Annabelle. Well, thank you, Tony. My name is Annabelle Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the state of Washington. And I'm I'm really, really grateful to be here because this is my solution. And um, I will get emotional if I think about how much I thought I didn't deserve this kind of love. Um, here I go. Stop. Um, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous in October of 2020, I had no idea of... Um, I look at your smiling faces, you know, and I just had no idea of how much joy I could um, get out of life, out of, um, you know, admitting complete defeat and, and asking for help and, and getting that help immediately. And then, you know, going through the 12 steps and then having so much joy and sharing it with someone else. Um, I'm absolutely amazed. So I love that I was asked to share on a vision for you because it's kind of always been my favorite chapter, but then I have like other favorite chapters and favorite everything. So, um, but the idea of this being a vision, this is what we're supposed to share with at every meeting, really, you know, I earned, I went really early on, you know, we carry the message, not the mess. I bring the mess to my sponsor and on, on meetings, I share the message. Um, I mean, sometimes that's going to be messy. I'm going to share a mess, but I'm going to have the solution. And that's what's so cool about the, the vision is that there is a solution. So I'm going to go through um, the chapter. I have some things that I really, really love. Um, in my books, page 151, it talks about the old pleasures were gone and never could we recapture the great moments of the past. And I just think of how much of my life was in my adult years anyway, celebrated with food because I quit drinking and started in the drinking program when I was 20. So I didn't celebrate with alcohol. I celebrated with food and it was all about every vacation was about where we were going to eat. And every, um, it was all about, especially the desserts, you know, and it was just, I don't honestly, I mean, everybody I was with seemed to enjoy each other, but I got to a place where I didn't enjoy people. It was literally about where are we going to eat? How am I going to get my food? Can I get more? Are people going to go to the bathroom so that I can eat after their plate? It was just so miserable. And I couldn't even recapture the moments of with my husband going out to celebrate something, you know, um, and going out to eat. And the, the cool thing I'll already throw in, like the miracle is that this last week I started my first week, this will be my second week of working for myself after 23 years of working for someone else. And so I, I went into business for myself and it's super exciting. And we were going to go out. My husband's like, I want to take you out to dinner to celebrate. And I'm like, well, I don't need dinner to celebrate. Like what does dinner have to do with it? And I realized that's what we used to do. So I got there and he'd already had a drink and he'd already had an appetizer. And, um, and I just sat down, I ordered my absent meal after I called my sponsor and we just enjoyed each other's company. And it was like, wow, it's not about celebrating the food. And I packaged the rest of it that was too much. So um, yeah, but before working the steps, um, it talks about never could we recapture the great moments of the past, an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did, and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. And this is, I was just talking recently about this this obsession that I had about control and just, if you just did it my way, and this goes has nothing to do with alcohol or food anymore. This is like 
the way I function. I mean, I'm so controlling and it's almost like the more I work this program, the more I'm like, oh, I, the more humble I am. I mean, not really, like the more I see how, how controlling I am. And it's awful. It's really almost humiliating, really, as opposed to humbling, because I'm really like, I, I'm ca- I catch myself and people catch me like I'm being controlling and I want to stop. And I, I don't want to admit that I'm being controlling because then like I have to admit it. And um, this this idea that I can control people has become really a big thing with me now. And so I know that the steps, I practice them in all my affairs. I'm also going to be able to let go of that as well. I did not start my timer. So I'm going to go down to 17 minutes because I don't know where I'm at. Um, so there was always one more attempt and one more failure. So I, uh, I know that I have to admit complete defeat. Um, I don't want to face the terror, bewilderment, frustration and despair I felt with my hand in a box in a bag, wondering when my family would be home, like wanting to get one more binge in. Um, I don't want to focus on that because we were all in that hell. Um, I was also talking with someone uh, recently about the hell of being a restrictor because I was not morbidly obese. I was overweight um, and I was never like in the hospital for anorexia, but I was very underweight and had, had, well, I was very ill. So, um, you know, from bulimia and exercise bulimia, especially, but the hell that went on in my head, I can't describe. I wouldn't wish that one on anyone. Um, it was just a constant neurotic paranoia. Who was going to find me out? Was I going to get fat? But it was just awful. Um, and it talks about where, uh, inwardly, he would give anything to take a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. And I'm like, I, I remember thinking that, like, I know I have a problem, but I just, I just want to be able to eat one more time and then I'll stop. And I couldn't do it, you know? And so it would just be this whole one more binge again. Well, I'll start tomorrow. And it just never ended. I was unable because I couldn't picture life. Like what would that look like? Life without drink, without drinking, without eating, without eating whatever I wanted. What, what would it look like? And that too, with exercise, you know, what would life look like if I didn't exercise? Like then, I mean, oh my God, I would get fat. It would be horrible. And um, the truth is, is I've been much happier in a heavier weight than I have been in a very thin body. I was quite suicidal several times, actually um, wanted to commit suicide. And um, he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. And I was there. I was there actually several times. Um, and I really don't ever want to go back there. So what are we willing to do? We, to me, I don't ever want to go back to any of that. And so I'm willing to do whatever my sponsor tells me to do and whatever it takes, um, to keep doing this thing. And it's just one day at a time. And, um, you know, what am I going to have this boring life of like hanging out with you people? It's like, you know, boring and meetings and, you know, it's just been so awesome. I mean, it's not only glum, it's not only not glum. It says like, am I willing to be consigned to a life where I should be stupid, boring and glum, like some righteous people I see, you know, and if anything, like people here are so not self-righteous people here are so, I mean, I really was struck by the love and the, um, the, the honest reaching out and caring that I got it, after 30 years in AA, I never got that kind of love as I did in AA. And I was like, I mean, I was like, I don't, 
I don't deserve that. Like, did these people know who I am? And it just felt so incredibly loving. And that is what it says. It's a fellowship. We have a substitute for all that, you know, life of what we thought was celebration. And it's a fellowship. And um, I've never experienced a fellowship as I have it in, in a way in the last uh, two, three years. Life does mean something because now when all else fails, work with a compulsive overeater brings me back to center and it brings me joy. And so, you know, if I can't seem to get something right, I can't, you know, my business or I don't know how to work QuickBooks or, oh, my dogs are driving me nuts or my husband is frustrated or whatever. I can just go be of service. I can pick out the phone and call someone to see how they're doing. And everything is good again. Like I just get centered. And of course, there's a whole bunch of other steps in between, right? Um, on the next page, it says like, how how are we to become happy, respected, and useful? Um, it seems incredible these men are to become happy, respected, and useful. And um, I know that it says, should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we're sure they'll come. And so I have to be willing to do what I'm asked to do because of the experience that is shared with me. And I really have to want it as well. So, you know, I, th I think I hear a lot in OA, oh, it's not for people who want it or for people who need it, it's for people who work it. It's it's all of the above. The program's there for anyone, but but the results won't come unless I actually do what's suggested. And so I have to make abstinence number one. Um, I have this mug and I lost it recently. I'm so bummed. I ordered it and it says, keep calm and stay abstinent as opposed to keep calm and keep keep, what does it say? Keep calm. And st anyway, and I just loved it because I just, I knew where I was. I'd pick up my little teacup and I'm like, oh, it's like over my coffee cup. And I'd be able to see that. But either way, I just make my absent number one. And in the morning, write out my food, text it to my sponsor, you know, in it, whenever I can make a phone call on my lunch break. And I follow these suggestions. Um, a little bit farther on, I just love this whole chapter. So this whole idea, this is like Bill's story. And I mean, it's kind of a recap of everything, right? The vision, vision for you. And he talks about how Bill went into this. Um, he was sober just a few months. He had this horrible business deal. It went south. He walked into a hotel and the bars over here and the, you know, the, the phone booths over here. And this is the Mayflower Hotel. And he, and he walks in and he calls a clergyman and he ends up at Dr. Bob's house. And the two of them were co-founders of the, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I wanted to catch is that little moment that it says the second paragraph, he, he saw still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom, with whom, and we have so many people. I have so many people I can call early, early on when I was like in the, what we call the hospitalization period, because that's just like where I'm sitting in, you know, a bed with like, like a bed hospital bed, right? Like, I have a button to push. That's when the nurse comes. And that's kind of like the phone, you know, I call people and the doctors in the other room figuring out what's wrong with me, you know, and eventually and that's kind of like higher power and eventually higher power comes in after I've called the nurse several times and says, you've got this, you know, we've know what's wrong with you, your discharge. And that's when I can go and share with other people. But I was told, make your, make your, um, oh, what do they call it? Your fellowship, your, um, God squad, they called it a God squad. So it's like the people that I call that I know I can trust have program that are, and share uh, from their experience and hope and strength and hope with me that I can, that I can feel it 
piece. And, um, you know, I was kind of jealous at first. I'm like, oh, all these people, they have so much, you know, so many other people that they get to call and I don't have anybody. It's like, well, then pick up the phone, idiot. <laughs> I mean, I really like thought that it was going to just be handed to me, you know, and I, and I did, and it was uncomfortable and it was hard, but, but just doing, that's the suggestion. Okay. I'll do the work. And that goes on with just, you know, everything I did. Um, There was this piece also where it talks about the risk, but he, he was, he was like, oh, but the drink would look so much better, right? Instead of making this phone call to work with someone else. But when he thought about it, he's like, wait, what about all those other alcoholics? You know, there must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman, his sanity returned. And that tells me that as soon as just the thought that, oh, oh, I have OA, I have people I can call, sanity enters. And what sanity is, is just right thinking. It is actually when I know that I'm in tune with my higher power because I'm not thinking insane things like the food's going to work this time. I'm, I'm thinking what actually the solution is. So if I'm thinking on the lines of solution, I'm not being insane anymore. Um, yeah, so then he goes and there's the Dr. Bob and um. They find a couple more people that are alcoholics. And I love this conversation that goes on on page 157. They're like, oh, you know, what, what are you guys doing here? You know, this is a private room. What are you here? And they're like, we're giving you treatment for alcoholism. And he's like, oh, that's no use. Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three, last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. And they, they kept talking about their experience with him. And he's like, I drink like that. That's me. That's me. And that's exactly what we do for each other. And every time I take a call or um, and early on, of course, when I was calling other people, I couldn't believe that these people ate like I did and that these people were restricted like I did. And now it's like that these people are like controlling like I did. <laughs> like, I am. like, and, and just, I'm so obsessed with making sure everything goes right. I don't know why my timer's not showing. There we go, seven minutes. Okay. Um, that everything goes right. Like if you just do what I think you should do and everything needs to be just right and then I'm okay. And it's totally new for me to go, oh no, I'm okay because I'm okay. And then turn my eyes to fixing or to, to helping fix my eyes on someone else and what I can share. And I pick up the phone and invariably they're telling me something I need. And I go, oh my gosh, that's me. Oh my gosh, that's exactly how I think. And so- anymore i mean having been abstinent for a while i the food the food obsession's been pretty lifted like there are times when i'm like oh like there's a whole bunch of sweets on my counter right now because we had this memorial day thing and my husband went to anyway my son he's i got teenagers and they like want to have all this food they're boys and um it's sitting out because we had a lot of food in the fridge like my fruit and my vegetables take up a lot of room and so anyway and it's just a little annoying but you know what? I'll just tell someone, move it. You know, I don't, I, I can move it. I don't have to, I don't have to look at it. It's been pretty much lifted. So the mental state that precedes that first drink is my most dangerous spot. It's, it's what I have to do with, I don't do this work when I've gone and, and eaten or gone and relapsed. I do the work ahead of time. And my story is that I came into um, OA in my twenties. And of course, immediately was like, ah, I just need to work a good AA program and I don't need to be there. And then came crawling back 30 years later, whatever it was, 20 some years later, 
in the spring of 2020, I got this like chat meeting. I didn't even know there were online meetings and it was like a chat thing. And I just started talking and every Friday night I would go on this chat and talk about all my, my food issues. And I related, I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually talk about this. And then the, that summer I went to like two or three meetings that summer. I had my last pay and way and, um, you know, I lost the weight, but I was just crazy. Within three weeks of graduating, I gained 30% of it back. And so it wasn't until like September, October that I went to my first OA Zoom meeting. And um, oh my gosh, it was just like every meeting. I, mean, I just cried, like you people like have what I want. I had no idea there was such an awesome program. Like this is better than my AA meetings by far. And I went to my home group today, my AA meeting. It was fine, but like, I feel like I get more, more, recovery coming to my OA meetings. So that mental state preceding the first drink is what I have to take care of. Um, and I have to do it. So the next page on 158, they're like, oh yeah, you know, we have to have a higher power. Um, and the guy's like, oh yeah, I used to be strong for the church. You know, that won't fix it. I prayed to God on hangover morning, swore I'd never touch. And like by nine o'clock, I'm <laughs> boiled as an owl. I like that. Um, and, and then he, he spent like a night thinking it over. And the next time they met him, he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. You know I mean? God should be able to do anything. Right. Um, he sure didn't do much for me when I was fighting this booze racket alone. And that's the point. I can't do this alone. And, you know, even I could say like, oh, me and God, you know, my higher powers. It's like, no, my higher powers got to work through other people. And it's always been that way because I'm always amazed. I get to a meeting and someone shares something. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. That just happened, you know, and maybe it was like a coincidence, you know, um, that someone said the same thing someone said in a meeting last night or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's that's my higher power talking to me. And so um, it's all about doing it together. And it's just, so someone said on the meeting, I think this morning on a vision for you this morning of how like there's I in illness and we and wellness. I'd never heard that before. I thought that was so cool. See, that's the type of stuff I hear. And I'm like, whoa, God, you spoke to me again. And I'm like, yeah, we have to do this together. Um, so a lot of the rest of this um, chapter talks about they have to help other alcoholics. We, they, If they were rem to remain sober, that motive became secondary. Though they knew they must help alcoholics to remain sober, that motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. And the idea, um, we're going through the promises in the morning vision meeting, and the idea that serving someone else would be a joy for me. I mean, I remember doing the four step going, oh my God, like I'm all I think about. I mean, like I don't even think to think about other people. And um, the joy I have, like, who wants to think about me? Like, I don't want to think about me. <laughs> I, I have so much more joy thinking about other people. And so um, I want to raise my hand and say, you know, I'm a sponsor and I'm available and I want to work with others. And um, like, I just had a call this, this morning, I think it was this morning or this early afternoon. And it was someone who was in the middle of her ninth step and her sponsee or her sponsor rather uh, was on a silent retreat. And she had like something come up in her night. So she's like really needed to talk about something. And I'm like, yeah, she, let me know what's going on. And it was the most, it was just so awesome, you know, to anyway, to share fellowship with each other. And you know, I kind of walked her through it. Like, what sounds like you need to forgive yourself and, you know, things like that. She's like, oh my gosh, she called me later. And it was like, awesome. She, or she texted me back and the, the results were like this freedom to see the freedom. One of my sponsees is on this meeting and um, it just makes me cry to look at her face because I'm just so proud of her. And then you make me so happy to know that 
we do this together, you know, we do this together and to just watch someone get it is there's a, there's no other joy. There's just no other joy. Um, at the bottom of the, of 159, it talks about, um, seeing much of each other scarce and evening past that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women happy in their release talking about, yeah, they have all these meetings and it was before really like AA or whatever, but they had these little meetings and they were happy in their release. The release was from the bondage of this disease. And for me right now, I'm working on releasing control of everything and trying to control everything. And, um, especially my husband and people, and um, I just, this freedom is like unbelievable to just release it, you know, and only the steps can do this for me and going through this with, with, with other people. How much time I have? Okay. I'm almost done. Um, I want to just skip ahead because it talks a lot about, you know, obviously working the, the steps. And then there was just one other line, um, page 161 that says being wrecked in the same vessel being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter to so, matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? Because we we had so, I'm not that like life doesn't matter. You know, my family matters and my kids matter and my job matters. My neighbors matter, my home matter. Things matter, but with with us like working this program together, it's like I have this purpose that I never had before. And it's um it is it's such a deep level of gratitude that I have to be I almost I feel like do we do I deserve this to be a part of this? Like ah, I'll stop that. And so anyway, I'm just so grateful that we are all in this together. Um the last I and I'll wrap up this with this. The last part that we um share a lot in meetings is the reading on page 164, the last couple paragraphs. And I just really want to um, read a little bit of that just to close. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. He's always telling me more through meetings, through people in my writing, in my prayer time. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. Every day I'm like, okay, God, what do I can do to be of service to others? And my mind goes, oh, great. I get to be a service. I don't have to worry about what people are going to do to me. I get to think about others. And then the answers will come if your own house is in order. Um, I got to see to it that my relationship with my higher power is right. And then great events come to pass for both me and others. And they come to pass for others because I'm being of service rather than trying to take from my family and my friends and my neighbors and my husband. I'm giving. And, um, you know, the last paragraph, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. And that abandonment is just like, just full on, I'm yours. I, I'm, I'm not mine. I'm yours. My life is yours. You put me here. You, you always have a plan for me that's better than my plan. My plan got me, you know, in the food. And so that full abandonment is what it takes. I think that when I, when I'm, I have to be as absolutely as desperate as a drowning man, like in the water drowning with high waves and have somebody go, do you want this life vest or not? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I need it. And I want it and I want to keep it and I want to hold on to it. And now I'm like throwing life vests and it feels so good. Um, I got to admit my false to God. I got to go down and be like, I am controlling. I am, I hate to admit it, but I am. 
even me, really me. And, um, you know, and I got to tell my sponsor and I got to work with people and say, yeah, this is who I am. And I'm working on getting better. I'm working on letting go. I'm clearing away the wreckage. You know, I'm, I'm uh, living amends with my husband and I'm grieving freely of what I find, you know, so give freely of what you find and join us. And you, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit that is capital F and capital S because that is what's so cool about this meeting. Choose your own conception. The fellowship of the spirit is what this group is all about. And people who make the group their higher power for a while until you can figure out who your higher power is deep inside you. It's the fellowship. It's the spirit that's in us. And um, I hung on to that, to that for a long time. And you'll surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. And I love that little line because trudging means walking with uh, walking with purpose. And so it's, I used to think it meant like, oh, trudging like this is so awful. And it doesn't. It means walking foot in front of the other, step by step. And, and that's what we have to do is just work these steps in order. And the road, it has a destiny of happiness. And that's what I want. I want to be happy, joyous, and free. I will wrap with that. Thank you so much for asking me to share. Thank you, Annabelle. And Annabelle and Chanel, I apologize. I know somewhere in the format, I'm supposed to ask about the time and I must have just bleeped right over it, but it all worked out. Um, now we're gonna open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter um, and step being studied this week, which is a vision for you. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or asterisk nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host, Carla, will call the raised hands in order and uh, ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, Chanel, set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up, please. And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, where are we? Here we go, Jana. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. Sorry, my connection is not that strong, so I can't turn my camera on or everybody will freeze. Um, but thank you so much, Annabelle. That was an incredible share. And um, yeah, you talked about a part that really sticks out to me too. On the bottom of page 154, um, you know, it says, of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? And pretty soon we can see that, you know, he says perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more, right? He's talking about how he's he's been sober for six months. And that thought will always occur to me, you know, when I have some peace, some serenity. I, I can count on it now to pop up, you know, in good times, in bad times, it will pop up. We can't count on our own minds being sane. Um, but that's why we have this program because he knew that his top responsibility was to talk to someone who was struggling. And so, you know, he, he takes action and we, you know, when, when we are unsettled, we do that 10 step, we ask God, to give us the right thought or action. Um, but, you know, emphasis on the action, right? And so he walks himself right out and he gets on with his program. Um, and I know that's that's exactly what I have to do. You know, no alcohol isn't my problem, but this program works. It worked for the original alcoholics and it works for us. 
thank goodness. So thank you again, Annabelle, and thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Jana. Ian. Hi, I'm Ian F, compulsive overeater. Um, grateful to be here. Thank you, Annabelle. That was that was beautiful. Um, I wish we could talk about all of it, but I only have three minutes. Uh, you know, I think um, talking about working with others. I mean, the, the that piece about the the motive starts from you know my sponsor drilled it into my brain like you have to help other people because that's what's going to keep you sober or abstinent and and for a while like that was the reason that i i called people i was like i have to call the newcomer because i feel like crap today <laughs> you know like that was my only motivation um and then after a while it just became like this is where i want to be this is where i want to be and that doesn't make any sense logically <laughs> i'm a 20 year old man most of the people here are old enough to be my mother <laughs> but hearing us speak that's not the thirty shade I'm sorry <laughs> um it's it's just to say you know I came in here and I thought this isn't me this isn't for me for x y and z reasons you know and and I'm going to do this as an obligation because I was told to I have family here this is my family these are the people that I care about the most in the world like genuinely I never thought I would have that before. And part of part of living in the disease for me was that I did not enjoy people. I love when you said that. I did not enjoy people. I could not relate to people. I couldn't hold on to friendships or relationships or family. I just couldn't, you know? And I think part of being an addict for me is that my mind is what kills me. Like, like being up in here is what gets me. And my first instinct is always to rely on that to fix, to fix itself, which doesn't make any sense, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, let me use the thing that's hurting me to fix me. And, and so much of service is about like, I need to not be in there. And, and I have a family member who's in a 12 step program and she, she has this saying, like, don't go into your mind alone. It's a dangerous neighborhood. So true. So true. Um, so I'm I'm very grateful to be here, and I love you all, and uh, thank you for your share, Annabelle. All best. Thank you, Ian. I have a question for you, Annabelle. You talked about how when Bill is at the hotel and he's got the bar over here and the phone over here, the bar, the phone. What do you do when you're in a situation like that with food? What is your go-to behavior? How do you get yourself out of that situation? Thank you for asking that question, Tony. And I would not have known had I not asked someone when I first came to OA. And someone gave me this great, I don't know who, some angel out there. I don't even remember who it was. And she said, do you have some kind of higher power? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, okay, well, imagine it is, is bubble. So, you know, here I am and I've got pantry and I've got the, the, the TV here, which is like binge food TV, you know, like, could it be any better? Like these houses these days with big open kitchens and TVs everywhere is like made for compulsive readers. And anyway, in the TV, in the fridge, she said, if you have a higher power, just make it be a bubble. And it's like a presence, like a big light, like a, like a light bubble. And I just imagine that. And it's just, I had this vision of my, it's just this pure light of love. And it's like a, 
like a Pillsbury Doughboy. I shouldn't say that, but like it just bounces. I just bounce off it and I go in the other room and I imagine that. And she just helped me with this little vision that she gave me to just imagine your higher power as this, this bubble of light. And it's, it's pure love. And, um, and I was able to do that. You know, I have to say early, early on, I mean, I was like, I was pulling my hair out. I mean, I was like biting my nail. I don't bite my nails. I was just like, I can't, I can't, I need something, you know? And, um, and I remember someone saying like, if you take a bite, it'll be immediate. That relief will be immediate. And then about nine seconds later, the remorse and the despair and the fuck it's will come, excuse my language, but there's the whole thing. And then you're off and running or, or you can sit there and, and I mean, really white knuckle it. Like that's how your knuckles turn white. It's just be like, hang on for dear life. And in nine minutes, it'll be all over and you'll be at peace. And I'm like nine minutes. And I would, and I would have this bubble of light and I'm like, okay, you got nine minutes, you know? And of course it never took nine minutes. It took about three, but I, I had to get over that, that initial, like I need to eat now. And what it turned out to be is I didn't know what I needed. I did. I never felt feelings. I didn't know that I had feelings, feelings like why? And so I learned how to learn to feel like I'm comfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? Oh, because I had this thing coming up and I, and it just like was so natural. Oh, go eat you know, like a feeling eat, you know, that's like one I did. And I had no idea that you could just sit and feel a feeling and then go, Oh, I'm scared because I've never done this before. Oh, well, how about I like go to YouTube and like learn how to do this instead of go eat, you know, I had my solution for everything was eat. So anyway, that was a little longer answer than you wanted. Thank you. It was perfect. Betty. You need to unmute Betty. There we go. I think we got it. Hi, everybody. I'm Betty Essek, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So grateful to be here. Annabelle, thank you so much for your share. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, my God, how does she know me? I don't know her, but she knows me. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm hearing tonight. I'm hearing that I come here. I came here originally because I needed help. I come here today because I need help and I want to be helpful. I had nothing to give when I walked in the door. All I had was my own misery. And now as a result of trudging this road with, with you, so many of you I've talked to on the phone and we've built relationships and, you know, it's, it's been such a gift because I've said this before, maybe you guys have heard me say this before. I had a lot of friends and I was a best friend to everybody, but I never had one. I didn't have a best friend because I didn't open up to anybody. And here I've learned how to do that. You know, I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning how to get past that fear of picking up that 500 pound phone. I'm learning how to get past the fear of bothering someone. You know, you call me, you're not gonna bother me. You're gonna help me. That's what I've learned. And so, all these little tidbits that I'm learning along the, along the way, especially about the fellowship, has all been a gift. And I, I couldn't have predicted it. I read about it, but I couldn't see it for me. It's like it unfolds gradually, just gradually, little by little, things open up, little gift here, a little gift there. A new person will call, a relationship develops, recovery strengthens. And that's what it's all about, is recovery. 
And the only recovery available is through a higher power for me. There's no other way. Been there, done that, tried it, didn't work over and over and over and over again. So here I am to stay today. I only have today, but I need help and I'm here to help you in any way possible. So with that, I am so grateful that each and every one of you are here and I hope I do get to talk to some more of you fellows. With that, I pass. Thank you, Betty. Carla, why don't you go ahead and disable the um, recording and then go ahead and share.